Welcome to Return to Roshar, where we speak again the ancient oaths by going through Brandon Sanderson's Stormlight books and put everything into a wider Cosmere context. So a spoiler warning is in effect for every Cosmere book published at the time of recording, and that means up to Rhythm of War for now. Today we will be discussing chapters 1, Stormblessed, and chapter 10, Stories of Surgeons. I am Cody, and with me today is Murtog. Hi, this is Murtog. And we are going to start off this section where we look at Kaladin, um, focus on his backstory and his chapters at, in part 1 of The Way of Kings. So that's what we will be discussing for the next couple of weeks. Chapter 1. Stormblast. Five years later. I'm going to die, aren't I? Sen asked. The weathered veteran beside Sen turned and inspected him. The veteran wore a full beard, cut short. At the sides, the black hairs were starting to give way to gray. I'm going to die, Sen thought, clutching his spear. The shaft slick with sweat. I'm going to die. Oh, Stormfather, I'm going to die. How old are you, son? The veteran asked. Sen didn't remember the man's name. It was hard to recall anything while watching that other army form lines across the rocky battlefield. That lining up seemed so civil. Neat, organized, short spears in the front ranks, long spears and javelins next, archers at the sides. The dark-eyed spearmen wore equipment like Sen's leather jerkin and knee-length skirt with a simple steel cap and a matching breastplate. Many of the light eyes had full suits of armor. They sat astride horses, their honor guards clustering around them with breastplates that gleamed burgundy and deep forest green. Were there shard bears among them? Breutlord Amarim wasn't a shard bearer. Were any of his men? What if Sen had to fight one? Ordinary men didn't kill shard bearers. It happened so infrequently that each occurrence was now legendary. It's really happening, he thought with mounting terror. This wasn't a drill in the camp. This wasn't training out in the field, swinging sticks. This was real. Facing the fact, his heart pounding like a frightened animal in his chest, his legs unsteady, Sen suddenly realized that he was a coward. He shouldn't have left the herds. He should never have. Son, the veteran said, voice firm, how old are you? Fifteen, sir. And what's your name? Sen, sir. The mountainous, bearded man nodded. I'm Dalit. Dalit, Sen repeated, still staring out at the other army. There were so many of them. Thousands. I'm going to die, aren't I? No, Dalit. had a gruff voice, but somehow that was comforting. You're going to be just fine. Keep your head on straight, stay with the squad. But I've barely had three months training. He swore he could hear faint clangs from the enemy's armor or shields. I can barely hold this spear. Stormfather, I'm dead. I can't. Son, Dallin interrupted, soft but firm. He raised a hand and placed it on Sen's shoulder. The rim of Dalit's large round shields reflected the light from where it hung on his back. You are going to be fine. How can you know? It came out as a plea. Because, lad, you're in Kaladin's Stormblast squad. The other soldiers nearby nodded in agreement. Ordinary men don't kill shard bearers until about 15 minutes from now. <laughs> 
Yeah, I suppose that was a long reading for a chapter, but Sen is an important character that you get to know for a very small time. At least a Kaladin who speaks a sentence to him and remembers him for a very long time. Mm-hmm. So basically in this chapter, we've got Sen, obviously, small, terrified soldier that Kaladin has recently bought into his squad. They're preparing for a skirmish with Hala, I believe is how you pronounce that if I'm remembering correctly. He was from one of the other prince dumps. I don't think we ever know. Another mid-range bright lord, basically, in a pointless skirmish, yeah. Yeah, I don't think it ever says, like, what princedom he's from, if he's just also another Sadius underling or not. Yeah, I believe it's deliberately left out. I mean, mm-hmm. that kind of emphasizes the point that it doesn't really matter. Yeah, but the info we get is, yeah, it's on the borders of the Sadius princedom. So, yeah, we have a boy here in 15. So, in many ways, this is, as we'll see later, a foreshadowing of what Kaladin's first experience was like. Yeah. And so we kind of can get some. We don't see it right away, but later on, we'll see that this is a a contrasting to from Kaladin's start to where Kaladin is three years later and joining the army. This is three years of him being in uh, Amaram's army and he's made it to squad leader and is recognized as the best. Yeah, it doesn't take him long. He's a natural fighter. He's lucky. He's Stormblast. Chapter moves on. It's just Sen being terrified, wondering why anyone would pay to get him. Dalit says something like, oh yeah, I think he, you guys all remind him of someone. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we know he's thinking of Tien. A lot of people remind Calvin of Tien. Yeah. Any small helpless boy. Going back to the, the this is a fight against Hala, it was a fight against Hala, which was the third fight Kaladin was in, that Tien dies. And so, a bit later on in the chapter, when they see the officer, Kaladin says, that's one of Hala's officers. He might be the one. He's specifically, this the last three years, been hunting for the officer of Hala that killed Tien in front of him. So he's keyed in here. He's like, you know, he's like, this might be the one. You know, he's a little obsessed. And Dalit's trying to calm him down. Be like, it's, it's an officer. Your odds are low. It's the one. But Kaladin's like, nope, we're going for it. Right. Yeah, I almost overlooked that. There is a revenge appetite there. <laughs> He gets the job done. So you see this as part of, you know, his obsession with this. You know, he's learned hella strategies. He understands how he works. So he's prepared to dodge the volley arrows. We see him commenting a couple different points on his strategy. And that's part of why he's able to so well predict this battle and know where to move as he's intimately familiar with their opponent. Right. Although you also do see a little bit here, which, I mean, granted, the lines have fallen into complete chaos almost as soon as both charges start, but you do also catch hints of, while Kaladin can be very smart in battle, and he can be tactically smart, when it comes to protecting his own men and meeting his own objectives, he can overlook the needs of the army to a degree. So, like, you know, his group immediately rushes out, does something completely different than everyone else. It's just, he's like, going to do what it takes for my men to survive and for us to get elevated and you know in this case it doesn't really have much consequence because the whole battlefield is just pure chaos and it's just two bright lords letting their peons stab each other to death and don't really care you know it's kind of yeah meaningless battle but you see those hints of he does his own thing right do you think cody like i know that kaladin's going in in an effort to protect and possibly revenge when he sees the officer in that. But they're they're trained. Do you think there's an element to the thrill being involved in how quickly, supposedly, these Alethi soldiers just disperse and go in a mad, chaotic melee? Potentially. But I also think that a lot of it comes down to these are not very well-trained men. Like, these are, they're not trying, they're not, you know, as they put it, all the good soldiers are in the shattered plains. These These are the dregs that 
aren't good enough to do that. And right. as we see with Tien and Kaladin, if you can hold a spear, they'll chuck you out there and expect you to go die honorably. Right, right. Good point. Throughout here, I don't know, I'm just moving through the chapter. After the Mad Dash, Kaladin's group engages a lot of groups that are bigger than his, and it just works because of their training and formations. You see the first signs of uh, Kaladin's surgeon background. Almost all of his squad is able to bandage themselves after taking wounds. I mean, how often can a soldier do that? Just all around basically showing Kaladin off the bat to be... I'm not a badass without any flaws yet. <laughs> Chapter one, here you go. Here's Kaladin's Stormblast. Man of music using the beating of his shield to direct his squad elaborate signals. And that shows that he trains them very well, trains them hard, and we'll see this be a reoccurring theme as he builds Bridge 4 later on. He's a leader and he's still willing to be one at this point. I think a lot of the times, you know, with Windrunners, a lot of the focus gets thrown on that they are, you know, they're protectors and stuff. But Jezrian was also leadership. He was considered the greatest leader and that's why he was king of the heralds because he came to teach leadership that was a skill jezrian would teach and so you see kaladin not only is a protector he is a leader and he wants to teach others to be good leaders and instill good leadership quality so he's the bona fide all-around package definitely so they stack up on this hill and defend it for about an hour i believe and then things start to fall apart and because they've been doing so well, you know, Sen realizes suddenly that it's fallen apart around them and that this battle is being lost where they are. So they start the retreat towards another group of Imram's soldiers. And it's at this point Sen gets separated from the rest of the group in the chaos and he kind of panics and blindly runs towards the first Alethi he thinks he sees, which, spoiler, Everyone here is in Alethi, so it doesn't work out very well for him. Yes. Sen is separated and is. I guess you say cornered by six other spearmen, and Kaladin saves him from that, which is kind of ridiculous, but I guess that's another sign of how untrained these spearmen are. Yeah, we get our first look of Kaladin in full action. and Yeah, that's what I'm saying about this action is one person can't fight six people and win. I mean, I don't see a situation where that can happen with spears and stuff. Obviously, I'm not fighting people hand-to-hand with edged weapons, but it just seems unrealistic, and they must be terrified and badly trained. Yeah. Well, and I'm sure Kaladin's also bringing a level of confidence and aggression to it that, yeah. Unrealistic in a, in a magical story, but there's no magic yet. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to read this uh, line here from Sen's perspective here. Uh, when had Kaladin grabbed the knife? He spun between the last two, his spear a blur, wielding it like a quarterstaff. For a moment, Sen thought, he could see something surrounding the squad leader. A warping of the air, like the wind itself, become visible. Yeah. He has this moment, and then he dismisses it as he's losing too much blood, and he's just imagining things. That's good imagery. But yeah, here we see why Kaladin wears pants, where he goes to bandage Sen's stabbed leg, and he has bandages in his pockets. So, I like to imagine he doesn't just have pants, he's got, like, cargo pants. He's got pockets all the way down. Yeah, some thick pants. So then we finally reach, yeah, where he sees the officer, and Sen mistakes him for a shard bearer, being a sheltered shepherd, seeing someone in full fancy armor for the first time. Which is surely impressive itself, yeah. So Kaladin's, I think, honestly fueled by revenge, but is trying to convince himself that, you know, it's also, you know, that we kill this guy, we'll finally get that promotion. We'll make it big. You know, they'll get to go to a war camp with discipline and light eyes with integrity. 
place where the fight will mean something. Professional soldiery, yeah, the big leagues. So they raise the red streamer to summon the wounded carriers, the runners, which we see here once again that Kaladin pretty much spends all of his money bribing people to protect his men, whether to get them off the battlefield sooner, to get them priority with the medics, to get medical supplies, to buy boils like Sen. He's very selfless with his money. Yeah, of course. He's always part surgeon. Then we have our first view of a shard bearer in chapter one. Yeah, this time Sen sees this shard bearer and he's like, how could I have ever thought that that guy in normal armor was a shard bearer? It's just so impressive. I know we hear about it later in the book that a lot of common soldiers die to shard bearers just by the simple fact that they've never seen it before and it's so beautiful and awe-inspiring. They're just dumbstruck and pretty much just stand still and put up no resistance and just get taken out because it's such a thing to behold. Yeah, I mean, that is a thing. You need to be trained to even stand up, have your brain not melt. If it's not awe, it's fear that's getting you. As he sees the shard bearer coming towards them, Sentin finally passes out from the blood loss from his leg wound, and we reach the end of the chapter. Yep, that's it. Cliffhanger. In this chapter, we are looking at a flashback to Kaladin's younger days in Hearthstone when he was training to be a surgeon under his father, Liren. I'll read us in here with the first few paragraphs. Cal stumbled into the surgery room, the open door letting in bright white sunlight. At 10 years old, he was already showing signs that he would be tall and lanky. He'd always preferred Cal to his full name, Kaladin. The shorter name made him fit in better. Kaladin sounded like a light-eyes name. I'm sorry, father, he said. Cal's father, Liren, carefully tightened the strap around the arm of the young woman who was tied onto the narrow operating table. Her eyes were closed. Cal had missed the administration of the drug. We'll discuss your tardiness later, Liren said, securing the woman's other hand. Close the door. Cal cringed and closed the door. The windows were dark, shutters firmly in place, and so the only light was that of the stormlight shining from a large globe filled with spheres. Each of those spheres was a brome, in total an incredible sum that was on a permanent loan from Hearthstone's landlord. Lanterns flickered, but stormlight was always true. That could save lives, Cal's father said. You know, this is one of those chapters in initial reading, kind of even rereads, I've kind of just dismissed a little bit. It's like, okay, yeah, it's giving us the backstory, okay, he was trained to be a surgeon, his dad doesn't like fighting. But there is so much character foundation work done in this chapter for not only Kaladin, but for Liren and what shapes their philosophies and their psychological state throughout the series, what will be emotional and mental struggles for Kaladin, so much spawns out of the window we see here into his life, like who, what shapes Kaladin. We see so many of those foundations in this chapter. We see Liren's personal ideology that's rock solid and unshakable, that he lives his life by, and then we're presented with the two main paths that Kaladin sees he could possibly follow in his life, being a surgeon or being a soldier. Right out the gate here first couple sentences we see Kaladin not liking light eye things and at this stage in its life it's because it makes him stand out and not fit in and like any kid his age he wants to fit in and be accepted and so like from the very beginning 
he's kind of got a little bit of a thing against light eyes and light eye things because it makes him the other. Yeah, he associates with 99% dark-eyed people. We have a girl, or young woman, 15-year-old girl, Sani, who has, I believe she fell out of a tree and has mangled her hand. And it is her free hand. So I don't know if that's better or worse in their society, that if your free hand or your safe hand gets mangled, I guess, I assume, it's better for the free hand. I'd assume it'd be worse to have your free hand mangled. I mean, I guess from like a personal productivity standpoint, yes. But I guess from like a culture like marriageability, desirability. Yeah, it does mention later in this chapter even that her parents will not be happy with this outcome that this girl has with her mangled hand because it will be grotesque and the book's words, not mine, grotesque and unsuitable for a good match in her life. So we see one of Liren's life principles that I think we do see in Kaladin and how he assesses people is we can tell a lot about a man from how he keeps his workspace. Is it sloppy or orderly? Did he respect his tools or did he leave them casually about? And at least when it comes to his spear and his boots and his jerkin, Kaladin definitely takes that to heart, treats his tools well. Yeah, and that becomes a big theme in this book and the next and the next. How you rate armies on a Roshar is how nice do they look? And we have an interaction here that is just like a great parent-child interaction that uh, when it comes to washing of hands and... It's wisdom of the heralds. You know, it's the Kaladin's like, like every kid, it's like, yeah, I don't know if you're, are, are you just BSing me? Or are you just trying to make me wash my hands to make me wash my hands? Is there, <laughs> is there really germs? Is it really a big deal? Like that's, yeah, every kid has those interactions with their parent where it's like, I, I know you tell me these things, but it's like, you're my dad. Do I really believe this? Is this really true? My friend told me it's not. Yeah, my friend said Rotspren don't care about water. Also in that whole Wisdom of the Heralds things they lay out, don't mix up the Heralds with the Lost Radiance, those doomed souls. It's another, you know, part two where with kids, especially at that age, it's everything is very black and white and it's very easy that your kids get caught up and the forests are against this good bad and it's very black and white you know it's like oh the the heralds they're demons they're evil and you know lear and being wise it's like no they're they are just men just like us that had too much power and right it's also yeah it's religion kids aren't too interested mm-hmm. in sorting out the doctrine yeah, i remember there was there'd be times as when i was you know that age where it'd be like, oh, they disagree with them. That must mean they're the bad guys. It's like, no, no, they just, yeah, they just have a different opinion. That doesn't make them good or bad. It's just, yeah, I think Kaladin is 10 here. Yeah. Brandon does a, a good job writing him here. Yeah. I mean, it goes on. Sani or Sani, the girl's name. Her hand is mangled enough that he has to amputate one finger. I think that he does a good job here laying out while Kaladin has a family that cares about him. He also has a, a very abnormal and different life for his world. Mm-hmm. People don't see things like this. I guess not much anywhere, but he is cared for. Yeah, yeah. it's getting back to that not fitting in. The others in town thought Liren spent too much time with books and sick people, and that made him strange. They were uncomfortable around him, and with Cal by association. Cal was only just beginning to realize how painful it could feel to be different. And I think this is a huge part in Kaladin uh, underlying character struggles with depression and stuff where he always kind of feels like the lone survivor, the other, the outside. He, you know, it's like every time he thinks he finally finds someone in their group that accepts him, it's taken away. And 
he's doomed to just be that outcast and yeah he always wants that group that he fits in with like all of us do no that's a good point while he does have a loving immediate family he doesn't have humans need something else besides just that right we feel part of a larger tribe than just their immediate family yeah he doesn't really have that at all you can see his mode of thinking like his life goals are already are kind of locked in because he's like he's like oh, i'm not squeamish anymore seeing this mangled ham my dad says he'll be good for surgery but I think it'll be great when I go to war. <laughs> yeah, he's probably not wrong. Yeah, they're going through the procedure here, and Kaladin accurately predicts that they will need to amputate the finger, and his father's proud of him for making that accurate call. And so, once again, his father's thinking, I oh, guess he's going to be a great surgeon, and Kaladin is thinking, I'm going to be a great soldier. And just <laughs> completely different trains of thoughts throughout this whole interaction. I believe those separate chains of thought run for years more until they're kind of brought out in the open. Another important quandary that's laid down in this chapter for Cal is, oh, let me read this, Liren says, It is good to care, Liren said, but caring, like anything else, can be a problem if it interferes with your ability to perform surgery. While Liren's talking about surgery there, that becomes a whole more worldwide issue for Cal's. He can't turn off his constant stream of empathy. He can't not care, even when he's killing people. That becomes important to him, but he can't. He's not like Liren. This is like another, I feel like, example with the writing of a classic quintessential like parent-child interaction. Liren gives him this word of wisdom, this advice, you know, it's you know it's good to care, but you have to for your own good and you know, in this case he's very focused on the surgery part, but you know, you have to have a balance there. You can't care so much it inhibits your ability to perform or you know but Kaladin's response he's like caring too much can be a problem, but you're so selfless you never charge for your work, so we're poor. <laughs> he immediately like, Oh, this is advice coming from you. He has issues, disregards it, but it almost mirrors exactly what the advice he gets when he goes to train when he joins the army yes and tuck says almost the exact same thing it's you know it's like it's good to care but you can't let it overwhelm you but you also like you have to care because if you don't care and you try to numb yourself like you'll hate who you become but you also like can't care so much it inhibits you and Kaladin takes that advice. It's like when we get, there's so many times where our parents will give us a life advice and we're like, yeah, you're my parent. You don't know what you're talking about. But then someone else we respect in our life gives us that exact same advice. And we're like, oh, that's great advice. <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah. Like he does take that advice, but it was already easy for Kaladin to care. Isn't uh, He's getting that same advice to arrive at the same middle point of caring from different spectrums. Like, hey, you can't be such a cold killer out in the battlefield hey, you can't care too much when you're on the surgery table because you have to focus, like that kind of thing. Like, But it's arriving at the same point. Mm-hmm. You, you, It's good to care, but find your equilibrium. And Calden can't find his equilibrium. This is a problem I can sympathize with. <laughs> right. Extremely empathetic to sometimes my own emotional detriment. And yeah, it's, you got to find that, that balance. Exactly. From here, we move into why he was late because he shows up a couple minutes late to the call. He obviously wasn't where he was supposed to be and doing what he was supposed to be doing, but he doesn't show up right away. And so his father like, well, so where were you? Learning to beat other boys with a stick. <laughs> yeah, he wasn't where he was supposed to be or doing what he was supposed to be doing. But at the same time, he's a 10-year-old boy, so he's doing exactly what he was supposed to be doing. This leads into the primary dynamic between Liren and Kaladin for the next 
12 years you know, of his life and only really just got resolved in the end of Rhythm of War to some degree. But you know, he kind of getting into that black and white thinking a little bit, he kind of develops this, I have only two options in life. And it's kind of like the character is like, it takes him four books to realize that he needs to find that balance that works for him, that he, he can't be either just the soldier he wants to be or just the surgeon that his father wants, that it's not just you kill or you save, there's no in-between. Right. I think that's summed up in his question to his father right here, his question that he asked himself many times in the future. And what of those who protect and defend? The ones who save lives by taking lives. And it takes him a long time. He asked his father this at 10, but he's in his 20s, early 20s, before he can partially figure this out for himself. Maybe. Start to figure it out. I don't know if this was intentional foreshadowing or just pure coincidence, but yeah, when he says that his father responds, it's like trying to stop a storm by blowing harder, which Kaladin kind of did for like a few moments in Oathbringer. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, He just keeps running, right? Mm-hmm. until he can't no more yeah, and i think Liren, you know like any good parent wants the best for his son wants his son to succeed you know his there's been you know as he talks about how his grandfathers they slowly work to be able to buy them up to the second dawn and get them in this position and then Liren was able to go you know to the big town nearby and learn how to be a surgeon and you know he wants his son to succeed even more than him and take the next step forward in life you know he's hoping to get him married to Wistiel's daughter and he wants him to go to Carbranth and train to be a proper true surgeon and, you know, kind of see a bit of the world and be better than what he is. And he gets very tunnel vision, I think, on that and kind of misses because of that where Kaladin's heart really is. And very much is like, this is the dream I have for you. You need to fulfill this dream. And I think it's a combination of, yeah, he wants the best life possible for his son. He wants him to be safe and he wants to protect him. And he's also living vicariously through his son a little bit. I mean, he wants him to be what he is but even better mm-hmm. yeah and i think it, as the chapter's ending calden starts to not to start to but finishes with him agreeing with his father yeah that's that's the better choice being a surgeon i'm 10 i agree with my dad mm-hmm. he tells him that he's been saving for him to go to carbranth and that kind of gets him excited you know lyrence line to him here you have a gift from the heralds themselves you could be 10 times the surgeon I am. Don't dream the small dreams of other men. But yeah. I'd say, you know, Kaladin's dream isn't necessarily like, I mean, at this point it is to be a soldier, but when it gets into adulthood and when he does start to become a radiant and, you know, him and his father are reunited and the headbutting continues, I mean, in many ways at that point, Kaladin's dream is not a small dream. It's he wants to protect everyone. He, yeah. I mean, at that point, he still hasn't found the balance, but he has it, you know, he's refounding an order of radiance and he wants to protect everyone. And it's once he starts to come to terms with needing to find a balance in Rhythm of War that he then he finds his dream of helping people that have suffered mentally. And I think that's where he finally finds that dream and that balanced mission. Yeah. You start to see the beginnings of what he really wants, mm-hmm. what makes him feel good, which is what everyone's trying to search for in their profession right mm-hmm. i'm doing good and i feel good the last thoughts i have on this chapter it's surprisingly deep from what i would have expected originally I, I thought i would have had more to say about chapter one and had more notes than chapter 10 but it was the other way around so before we wrap up i want to make a note of what our release schedule is going to be looking like with the podcast as we get going here to stay on brand we are looking at releasing Every 10 days for the podcast, a little bit unusual, but 
we wanted to have some fun with the theme, get our tens in here. So we would encourage you to subscribe. We're on iTunes now, right? Are we searchable on iTunes? Okay. You can subscribe to us on all your favorite podcast feeds, iTunes, Spotify, whatever you normally get your podcasts on and stay close. Stay tuned for the new episodes and keep an eye out in your feeds. Thank you for joining us today. As always, journey before destination, and we hope you'll return to Roshar with us again next time.